You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman, and today we have Mr. Greg Unruh with us. Greg, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Mark. I'm doing fantastic. Yourself? Good, good, man. So Greg is a, a partnering professional, uh, partnering expert, and as man, he has a ton of knowledge, a lot of different parts of strategic partnerships, but specifically within sales uh, types of partnerships, whether we're talking referrals or channels or all the kind of different, you know, splits and divides and ways that those morph. Um, that's where he spent pretty much all of his career. And so I'm really looking forward to having uh, Greg come on and share some of his insights with us. So thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Greg. Hey, looking forward to it, Mark. This is uh, one of my favorite topics, as you know. Absolutely. Uh, So Greg, what we had talked about is putting together a podcast and just sharing some insights with folks um, about, you know, sales specific partnerships. And, uh, you know, obviously there's lots of different types of partnerships, marketing partnerships, technology partnerships, uh, and, and then obviously sales and, oh gosh, I mean, there's just dozens and dozens of different types of partnerships, but we wanted to hone in specifically on partnering for sales. And so if you would, I'd love for you to just kind of grab the mic and talk about how you view uh, partnerships for sales and uh, kind of where it all starts. Well, you know, Mark, at the highest level, partnerships in the context of sales is just another lead gen vehicle. So a lot of times a a sales organization outside of having a a partnering program or a channel will have a inside sales or an SDR team and, and they're dedicated to, you know, just pound the phones, you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 calls a day uh, you know, looking for that lead, looking for that opportunity. And, you know, for those companies that really want to strategically scale and grow their business, they really need to implement and deploy a channel program, which the, the, the results are the same. Uh, you know, the objective, we're trying to generate leads and interest in our product or service uh, through a, you know, by empowering and engaging partners. Um, And those partners could be referral partners, could be channel partners, could be alliance partners, which are kind of like referral partners, but non-monetized. There's just a very complimentary alignment. Um, And we can get into some of the weeds of of where we kind of align the different resources on both sides as we get into the conversation here. But at the end of the day, it's really about how do we bring mutual value uh, to one another. Uh, it's got to be a two-way street. I, I think that's really important. Uh, but the end goal is how do we drive leads to one another? Um, how do we feed those leads to the sales organization? And how do you incorporate your existing sales organization into the, you know, into this kind of partner uh, channel structure? Um, you know, some companies have, you know, completely dedicated channel uh, organization and, and resources are dedicated to that. Others, you know, particularly a smaller organization may not have uh, the resources for that. So you have to, you know, creatively integrate uh, the channel into the existing resources, which predominantly are going to be your inside, outside uh, sales executives. 
and really kind of coach and train and mentor them into uh, you know managing those relationships at a deal level. So there's a big difference between uh, the different roles and what the assignments are and kind of who plays what. But you know we can we can back that up a little bit. I'm already getting into the weeds. Um, but I think there's a lot of stuff that has to happen uh, all the way up at the executive level uh, before you even go down this path. Um, Absolutely. Just it, like uh, <laughs> we were chatting about is it, it really has to start with the executives. And uh, just to give people a little frame of reference, what we're going to do is we're going to do two different podcasts. We're going to do this part one that's going to be focused on how to launch a – well, generally – generically, we'll, we'll call it a channel strategy or channel partnership program. Uh, but just know that we kind of mean that all encompassing that goes beyond a pure um, channel. It's just going to also include some referrals or basically any other type of, of sales uh, partnerships. And then we're going to do a follow-up. We're going to do a part two where we, we're going to discuss the actual implementation and the actual uh, operationalization of of the function itself to to just um, give people a little a map uh, of where we're going to go. So Greg, yeah. So we were chatting about, or you you had mentioned, you know, really it starts at the at the top with the executives and getting that executive sponsorship. Um, let's let's chat a little bit about the importance of that and really what are some landmines that you've seen happen over your career uh, on that topic? Yeah, so I think at the executive level, it's really important to get their buy-in. And when I say buy-in, it's not, you know, I think that they understand that they want to scale and grow the force multiplier as a channel that makes you know sense to everybody. However, there's a lot of moving parts to that. And you have to, you have to set and make sure they set the expectations and make sure they understand those expectations uh, before you launch into, you know, into this effort. Um, because if, if you're not aligned at that, at that highest level, it is destined to fail at some point, you know, on the journey that, that you're going down. And so, you know, setting those expectations is there's a lot of foundational uh, kind of operational uh, components that you need to put in place uh, before you're ever really going to start to see the returns on on this strategy, on this investment. And so I try to set that expectation that, listen, this may take a good 12 to, to 24 months, but I think really a, a good 12 months, you could really have a lot of these pieces in place and start seeing the fruits of the labor, if you will. But you know, I think a lot of times what happens when you have misalignment at the executive level, it's easy to get that buy-in on the front end, but it's a continual reinforcement to the other areas of the company that we we are committed to this strategy. This is this is our path forward, and to have that continual reinforcement, not just because uh, I think what happens, uh, and this is just my experience, is very easy to get in a, you know an executive excited about you know growing and scaling their their business and and driving uh, revenue uh, through a partner channel that all sounds great and then i think what naturally happens is oftentimes okay we've 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 agreed to do this and now the delegation powers come into play 
and they kind of step aside and entrust that the others are going to kind of do that. And really that, that is not, that is never going to work. You always have to have that continual reinforcement from the executive level that we are on track. This is, you know, this is a continual long-term strategic initiative for us to grow and scale our company through a channel and to have that constant reinforcement. And part of the reason behind that mark is, and, and you and I know this well, you have to have somebody that leads that, that channel initiative, that partnering initiative. Um, however, that individual doesn't really, it kind of sits in the middle of all of the departmental organizations within a company. So you've got sales, you have marketing, you have sales operations, you have uh, even support. Uh, you may tap into support for some other things that we can get into uh, here in a moment. But uh, in that role, that partner development manager really doesn't have any kind of authoritative control over any one of those departments, teams, or individuals. It's all purely influence. And this is why it is so extremely important to have that continual reinforcement uh, from, from the executive level. They really kind of are your uh, ambassador and your microphone to the other departments when you need uh, to execute on, on certain things to move the initiative forward. Yeah, and Greg, you'd mentioned, you know, buy-in. Um, I, I think, I mean, you absolutely have to have buy-in, but to, for me, it's almost like a step further where there's, there's like a true sponsorship where the executives, they have to want it, they have to own it, they have to stay engaged, they have to continue to push because as you and I know, this, this partnering thing, especially whenever you're standing up this function for the first time, um, it's a long-term play. You know, as you mentioned, it's, it's 12, it's at least 12 months before you get, you know, solid ROI. Sometimes, you know, more complicated programs could take, as you mentioned, 18 to 24 months. And so it's staying focused, but it's, it's not only, you know, having the executives, quote unquote, kind of willing to do this, but they actually want it, they need it. It's a part of the corporate growth strategy. Yeah, agreed. And, and probably the biggest challenge you have, particularly if you're coming from, you know, a direct sales organization where there's never been a channel, you're standing this up new. Um, that might, and I hate using this term, I'm going to use it anyway. The mindset can oftentimes be almost coin operated where you are, you know, as a sales rep, you're getting leads fed to you through either sourcing them on your own uh, receiving them from a marketing uh, efforts, receiving them from inside sales or, or an SBR team. And, and you're just going through in a very transactional way and trying to, to get those leads. Now, the challenge with a lot of that and, and getting into some of the, the, the details of it is those conversion rates are really low. So it's purely a numbers game, but highly transactional. And if the culture of a company is kind of in that mindset and has always been in that mindset, this is a big pivot because there's a lot of things. There's going to be a, there's going to be a big effort to go out and kind of stand this channel program up. But when you're in the mindset of kind of this transactional high velocity type of mode that, that a lot of direct sales organizations are in and filling that pipeline and then executing on that pipeline, when it comes to a channel and kind of getting that thing going, getting that engine started, if you will, it's going to take time. It's going to take, you know, like I said, I, I don't like to set an expectation that you're going to see meaningful results 
you know, for at least 12 months. Now, you might get some incremental or what I call reactive uh, opportunities, you know, along the way as you're building this, but to really where it's fully executing and running on all cylinders, I look at probably a 12-month minimum uh, kind of runway to get that going. Well, that's a really tough pill to swallow uh, when you come from a highly transactional, high-velocity sales environment that, uh, you know, where are the leads? You know, what's the, what's the process? And there's so many things that you have to put in place to ensure the success of the program. You know, there's two components to it. You know, when you, when you put the foundation together, now you have to go out and you have to find those partners. But once you find those partners, I've always said, I think that's the easy part. The more challenging part, and this will probably be part of the next podcast, is how do you operationalize and, and make those partners successful so that it's working, you know, you're working together in a collaborative way. Uh, that's where the real work begins. But there's a lot of foundational uh, components that you have to put in place before you even start recruiting those partners. Uh, the worst thing that can possibly happen to you is you're not prepared. You go out and you start recruiting partners. You think you have a channel program because you hired somebody and you, and you have a you know some some basic understanding of it, but if you don't have the right pieces in place to really maintain, manage, and support that partner, it's probably not going to be successful, and you're going to just continually struggle. So it's really important to to put the time in on the front end, get all those pieces in place, so that when you do begin to bring those partners on, that those partners can be successful, and and your success is dependent on their success. And so that's why I put so much emphasis on this readiness, is what I like to call it, uh, phase of of standing up a partner or channel program. Yeah, no question. Well, it's I love the point that you bring out is, you know, a lot of times in a traditional direct sales approach, maybe our success rate on on leads or going after different companies, different opportunities may only be, let's say, 1% to 5%. Like you said, it's a numbers game. You know, we're, we're making our 60, 70, 80, 100 calls a day and just you know, pushing people down that funnel. But the power that can come through partnerships on the sales side is leveraging those relationships and just leveraging more knowledge and more history of, of our partners and, and using that as an accelerator. So instead of a 1% or 2%, you know, maybe we're at forty percent. Yeah, and that yeah, it's funny you say forty percent because in my in my experience and having done this multiple times with multiple companies, when you begin to get that that partner engine, you know, fully revved up, you do see that that. And when I say conversion, I'm talking about a conversion, a lead coming from a partner that gets converted to an opportunity. And then there's a conversion of an opportunity that goes to a closed one status, and that's where we all want to get to. But the, the first part of that journey is just getting qualified leads. Are they qualified? Because a lot of times in that, in that direct sales model, highly transactional, like you said, it, it's, it's definitely a numbers game. You're sifting through a lot of, just a lot of noise to get to that, you know, that, that single digit conversion rate. Whereas if you train and you, and you get a partner and give them the right tools, the right resources, uh, put all the pieces in place that need to that that need to be there for their success. When you get that lead from that partner, it's already they've already pre-qualified it or should have. And if you if you've set it up right, 
you will have qualified leads coming in. And that conversion rate statistically is, you know, north of 40% oftentimes. Yeah. Greg, I really liked what, what you had mentioned about, you know, setting up the foundation. You know, take some time and set it up right. And so many times, you know, I've worked with clients. I know you uh, work with uh, different companies and stuff yourself. Whenever you go in and stand these up, that a lot of times the approach is, well, let's just, let's just get in and, and then we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, man, does it, doesn't it pay dividends to, to set this up correctly and then launch when you're ready as opposed to trying to weld the ship, as they say, as we're sailing it? It does. It takes a lot of discipline and a lot of patience to do that. But, you know, my approach when I come in and, and I get hired in to do an engagement and, and stand up a program, I will typically come in at, at a very high level. I look at past state, current state, and what is our future state? What are we trying to achieve? What are the goals? And this, this typically happens at that executive level. Uh, level. And so when I look at past state, you know, what, you know, I try to look back at the last, you know, two, three years of, and try to get some sort of measure of what the, what the trends have been uh, from a growth strategy uh, specific to sales, understand what that is. And then I'll look at the current state, you know, how are we trending today? And, and then I look, where do we want to get to? What, what is the objective of this? What do we think we can achieve here if we, you know, if we integrate a channel or, or a, a partner program into this, into this mix. And part of that comes in, you know, once you understand that, then I start to peel the onion back a little bit. And I want to look at all the little details operationally. Okay. What CRM did they use? They use Salesforce. They use Dynamics. You know, what, uh, you know, how is that structured? How is that set up? Is, is you know, what type of changes do we need to do to make sure that we can, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, support a channel program. And, and part of that, and that's a really important piece of this, Mark, is, is having the, the technology and the operational pieces in place, because one of the, my biggest thing in channel, and I'm kind of, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but the, the death pill for a channel is channel conflict. And channel conflict happens by not having proper processes and tools and, and, and workflows in place to manage if you have multiple partners to make sure partners aren't stepping on top of one another. And, you know, as, if you go out and just start recruiting partners and you haven't laid this foundation, you haven't put those pieces together, you haven't thought through that, what's going to happen inevitably is you're going to have partners that you're going to have channel conflict and, and then you're going to get in this, this conflict of, of who gets the deal or do you have to do a split commission? I mean, it, it gets, it just gets messy and you can avoid all of that by taking the upfront time to look at the operational processes, the workflows, you have the technology uh, platform to ensure that you have all of those bases covered. And at that point, now when you start bringing on those, those partners that uh, they're going to be really an extension of your sales team, when you start bringing them on, they have the resources, you have training, you have processes, uh, the optics of that make you look, you know, certainly that you're, you're have a mature uh, partner program uh, that you've thought this through. You're not just winging it, so to speak. Um, so really, really important pieces uh, to the puzzle there.
Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, channel conflict, man, how many times do we hear that? I know that uh, all the clients that I work with, it seems like that, that is one of the first questions or one of the first topics that we discuss. And, and you and I will definitely hit that one on our follow-up whenever we talk about the operations. But Greg, I'd like for you to just speak for a couple minutes about culture and, and specifically the shift, right? So these organizations that um, are traditionally just direct sales and then now they decide they want to make the shift and they want to leverage the power of partnership so they want to stand up this partnering program to help with sales but really partnering is a culture and and it's going to you have to have the culture that is set for partnering I'd like for you to talk for just a couple minutes about how that partnering culture impacts or, or how it needs to be a piece of the culture in order for it to be successful? Uh, such an important piece of this. Um, so typically what happens, you know, some of the pieces at the, at the very high level, you know, the, the, the top maybe three important things that you need to do is we talked about the executive endorsement, sponsorship, and just continual uh, reinforcement of the strategy, uh, just to give confidence throughout the organization. And so the organization understands that's part of setting the culture, that it's coming from the top down. Uh, the next part is there's a difference between managing the partnership and managing the deals. That's a whole different mindset. And so what, and where I'm going with that is a lot of times I will come in and, and I will manage, I'll, I'll help set up all the structure and process. I'll manage the partnerships, go out and recruit, bring on the partners. But what I try to do, and this is part of the culture, and I'll, I'll typically talk to the, the sales leaders within the organization, uh, you know, if it's a VP of sales or maybe the executives, uh, you know, just whatever, whoever that leader is, say, listen, they don't know it yet, but I am just incrementally and over time, some of these account executives are going to kind of morph into kind of a hybrid role where they're going to be, you know, they're still going to be the account executives, still have their quotas and, and, and do their direct business, the stuff that they do day to day anyway. But then as they get leads that come in through partners, I deploy what I call a role-based partner mapping uh, strategy. So I have account executive to account executive, manager to manager, executive to executive, and I begin to create these layers of role-based mapping between the company and the and the said partner. And what happens is, you know, me as a partner manager, I will go in and I'll manage the kind of the macro strategy of the partnership, uh, kind of be the conductor of that. Uh, that relationship, but then I facilitate, and this is a big part of culture, is I'll facilitate those role-based mappings. So if I have an account executive, then hey, I'm going to pair you with an account executive with this partner that, and that account executive may have anywhere up to 15 to 20 different pairings. But over time, what they find is, wow, into develop a relationship with that paired partner account executive and those leads coming in you know have a higher conversion rate over time you find that the the account executives become uh, very very integrated into the overall partner strategy or channel strategy um, just because they see they they tend they begin to see greater results with higher success rates 
but culture is a huge part of it. Yeah, it's part of our framework, as you know, uh, the strategic partner leadership model, our results elements, you know, we talk a lot about um, the, the different imperatives for standing up new partnering teams, whether it's sales or, or other types of partnership functions. But uh, one of those components, actually component number five that, that we share, and that is um, understanding or planning for supplemental resources. You know, like whenever we stand up these teams uh, or a strategic partnering function, a strategic partnering team for the first time, you know, again, regardless of what types of partnerships they're going to manage, um, the, the resources that that team is going to need, it goes beyond just what their salaries are going to be, right? Uh, PRMs, partner relationship management systems, and, and other research and development tools, um, there's a lot of things that, that can go into making this successful um, that's beyond just uh, having, you know, well-trained, real smart industry experts in partnering. Love for you to chat a little bit about, uh, about some of those resources and, and just making sure that we equip those teams to be successful. Yeah, that's a really important part to that, Mark. And, you know, one of the areas that it's tied into this, but I kind of skipped over it. And I think it's really important. And it kind of goes back to that expectations. And it's really just a, and I touched on it a little bit, but sometimes the executives are always looking at this from the mindset of, okay, how many leads is this going to drive me? Uh, you know, how is this going to fill my, my pipeline? And what's the conversion rate? What's this going to mean long-term? And but they also have to be willing and invested in, in understanding and identifying with the right partners. Because if that, if it's just, hey, I'm just, I'm a taker. I only want to receive leads. But it's really important that you invest in the partnerships as well. And you have the training and you, and you, you have the education of, here's what this partner does. This is what their core value is. Here's their solution. So you can begin to train those resources on your sales team to also be looking for those partner opportunities and throw some leads back their way. That's how it begin, begins to reciprocate. But all of that, that behavior, that pattern of behavior between exchanging leads between one another, don't just be a taker. You got to be a giver. But in doing that, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of internal training, mentoring, investment, and commitment from the executive side. You know, I've, I've worked with companies in the past that we have no interest in selling partner solutions. We only want to receive, you know, leads. And, you know, to me, that's a failed strategy. I think that uh, it's not that you want to pitch a partner solution. There's a difference between making that a part of your core offering and going out and proactively pitching that as opposed to training all of your different sales resources. And it's not just the front line. It could be your customer success team that train them on the partner solutions, the partners we brought into the ecosystem. So they understand what those are and can listen for those pain points. And as soon as you start throwing a few leads back to your partners that you brought on board, what you'll find is those leads will come back to you twofold. And so it's a, you know, the, the culture and the, the whole setting up that entire ecosystem, it takes time to do that. Um, and it takes a lot of coaching and mentoring uh, at the individual level 
to make sure everyone is, is just kind of rowing in the same direction. Um, like I said, you've got inside sales, you've got uh, outside direct sales folks, you've got customer success, you've got customer support. All of those different teams and individuals within those teams, it's important they understand and they're part of this entire kind of channel strategy because it's important to the overall success of those partnerships. Man, so many awesome things that, uh, that you've said in there. Um, it just, I, th I think it's one of the things that I definitely see whenever people are launching new programs is, um, and, and you, you alluded to this, is it's natural for us to have um, kind of this transactional, quota-driven, get results today, kind of crank on uh, you know, this, this traditional sales approach. But whenever we're doing it, leveraging partnerships, it, we're shifting the way that, you know, we're, we're kind of adding this new lever and this new lever is absolutely different. And as you had mentioned, I mean, you know, partnerships are, it's, it's a relationship between people from different companies and there's value that's provided to them or value that can be provided to them in multiple ways. And those, you know, we want our partners to fight hard for us. Well, in order to get that, we have to be willing to, to fight hard for them. And it's setting up this, right. the symbiotic relationship. And it's different. You know, it, it's different than the way that traditional companies, traditional sales, you know, only approaches uh, attack business. And that's, that's definitely one of the things that I see. You know, it's funny you say that because one of the biggest pushbacks I get at an individual sales contributor is, man, I don't have time in my day to dedicate 10 or 15% of my my activity to to supporting my partners. I've got to make a hundred calls. I've got to get these conversions. You know, they're 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 so dialed in on that. And if you run the numbers, I'm kind of a data guy, so it's very easy for me to kind of prove this out to them. That okay, you run those numbers, you get your one or two percent conversion rate. Let's take that ten percent out. So you lower your direct your direct activities and then trans you know, transfer some of that energy into supporting your, your partner pairings in my case, what you'll find is, is the results at the end of that exercise, you're going to far exceed what you would have done on the direct side. It's just a, it's the, the numbers are the numbers. And it's very easy to show that to them, but you know, sometimes I have to, you know, break it down in black and white and, and, <laughs> and show it to them in a, you know, in a spreadsheet that, here's what we're asking and here's what the results are, but you have to be committed to it. You can't fall into the, it's really important that you maintain that level of engagement. And this is probably one of the biggest things I have to train, you know, a direct sales rep, they are going out and they're developing a, a very short-term relationship. You know, they're looking for a company that wants to do business with them and, and whatever the, the solution they're trying to pitch. So they go out and they develop that relationship. And as soon as they get to that closed one, they close the book, they hand it off to someone else, and then they're on to the next deal. This is a very different type of relationship because what I'm asking them to do, I'm not asking them to, to go out and establish a relationship with a paired partner rep, and then as soon as you get a deal, you, know, you walk on and get another one and you move on to the next. It's not transactional that way. It's developing a long-term relationship and, you know, I coach the little things. I say, you know, get to know their family, their kids, what college they went to. I mean, develop a relationship. Get to know them at a personal level. And as you do that, now you become top of mind. 
and kind of my, you know, from a sales perspective, I always tell them my competitive uh, juices really fall into, you know, I always say this in the channel world, if you're not top of mind, somebody else is. So this is where you need to get competitive and stay top of mind with that paired partner account executive that, you, that you've been assigned with. Put a, you know, operationally, put a, uh, a weekly or biweekly cadence, put it on the calendar, make sure you're having that touch point, make sure that you're having things to talk about and discuss and develop that rapport because what you'll find once you, do, and this is a really big cultural shift kind of going back to, you know, what we were talking about. That's not really how some of the, you know, somebody that's coming out of a high velocity, highly transactional sales culture, that might be a, a little bit of a pivot for them to, to fall into this kind of nurturing type of mindset. But what they'll find if they invest the time and energy and, and take the coaching to do that, uh, they'll find their results before they'll be far greater in the end. I trade 2% for the 40%, you know, I'm, I want the 40 and <laughs> give me the 40. hundred percent. Absolutely. Well, Greg, man, thank you so much for your time. And it's, uh, it's going to be fun knocking out the part two. I mean, I'm more of an operations guy. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to hitting part two of this conversation where we can talk about how we operationalize these sales partnerships. Yeah, for sure. Everything we talked about is kind of what, what happens, you know, that's kind of seeing, you know, the results, but for all that to happen, man, there's, there's so much operational components and processes and workflows and infrastructure and technology and resources. We will, we'll have fun on that conversation. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Partneronomics Podcast. We'll see you next time. Partneronomics Podcast is brought to you by Partneronomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics Podcast, visit Partnernomics.com.